Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I want to tell you how much I appreciate your friendship. I always enjoy oh, uh, the, the, sitting the in the back became with so you. much more fun when we started sitting together. <laughs> so because the snarky so, le- the snark level just went through the roof. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. So that's our friend and fellow reviewer, Bill Newcott of the Saturday Evening Post uh, on what really goes on at a critic's preview. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is in Katz Podcast <laughs> Headquarters directing and producing you didn't talk a lot last time because you had the hiccups. Yes, I did. I've finally gotten over those. And hey, can't you? Aren't you enjoying my my blue and white Hanukkah outfit for today? Oh, first very night, nice. First night of Hanukkah. Clearly, uh, the Hound is celebrating Hanukkah. Are yeah. you gonna you gonna play the uh, Adam Sandler? The Adam Sandler oh, yeah, song. Yeah, but of course. Must thank Adam Sandler for bringing Hanukkah into uh, American culture. Well, uh, we're heading toward the end of the year, and as we are, uh, I've been doing these uh, a few shows weekly because uh, this lets me do some one-on-ones with the regulars who appear in rotation. And today, it's my great pleasure to say we are hosting the great Jason Fraley, entertainment reporter and critic for WTOP Radio, adjunct professor and filmmaker, and my longtime friend, hello, Jason Fraley. All right. Hey, thanks, <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> That's as big a buildup as I can come up with. And <laughs> that was awesome. I love when you're on this show, and clearly you love to talk about movies. And so uh, you're the solo guest this time. And, you know, we always start with this question. What are you watching? What do you like these days? Uh, well, right now I've been watching um, the latest season. I guess it's season five of Fargo on FX oh, and Hulu. Yeah. 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 Have yeah. you been have you started watching it yet? I, yes, I am. Yeah. Um, and I, I it's only now it's only a couple episodes in, but uh, I might have seen three episodes by now. It's basically it's the road runner. <laughs> Juno <laughs> Temple. Yeah. I, and John <laughs> Hamm. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah exactly it's right. um I, i'm in, i'm enjoying it so far because um I, there's I, I there's been so many good callbacks intentionally obviously to the original 1996 coen brothers movie especially um you know when when the guy in the ski mask the you know comes to abduct the wife and and appears in the through the glass you know to come make that that remind me exactly of of the exact moment that that Steve Buscemi did in the original but then but then the filmmaker this time sort of flips it um where you think one thing's going to happen and you think it's going to be this direct uh, shot for shot homage and then it kind of changes and you kind of Laugh to yourself if if you kind of get it. And same same with when the state troopers pull over the car. You think it's going to be the exact uh-huh. thing, and then they kind of uh-huh. flip it. So I'm I'm enjoying it so far, but that, it could just be because that that original Coen Brothers movie is right that if mm-hmm. not top ten, pretty close of my top movies ever. Like I think it's the perfect movie. I've always sort of joked that I wanted to teach a class called Wells Wells Fargo from uh-huh. Citizen Kane, <laughs> Orson Welles to the Coen Brothers. Uh-huh. 
and 20th century, you've learned everything that you need to know about making movies in the 20th century. But anyway, I, I so I'm enjoying Fargo. Fargo. I bet I've watched the original movie a half dozen times, maybe even more. And it always works. It really has passed the test of time. I think it's just, I think it's a perfect movie. Just, I mean, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Frances McDormand's pregnant cop is sort of way ahead of its time in terms of, right. you know, the, her and her and Norm sort of switch the gender roles as he's, you know, making her breakfast and she's going off to work. And and then William H. Macy is so slimy as oh. the used car salesman, Jerry Lundegaard. And it's just, I think, and the tone, <laughs> it, the quirky dialogue in the, the snowy setting and, and uh -huh. that Carter Burwell booming music and the Coen brothers, the way they direct and kind of... Show him, show Jerry behind the jail bars of the vertical blinds in his used sale office, used car sale. I, I could go on and on, but uh, we're here to talk new movies and new shows. <laughs> well, and we're here kind of to talk end of the year top 10, and I, I'm not going to hold you to 10. So here's my first question for you. Yeah. What is the position of streaming and television versus movies? Which is more important? Or I'm going to tell you. I think streaming has overtaken <laughs> movies. I'm, you know, <laughs> doing that. Well, I mean, in turn, they, and, and, uh, well, there it is. There's the answer, I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, I, I don't, I think the, uh, the major, the mainstream public has, I don't know if it's just technology or the pandemic or what, but I think it was kind of already heading that way, mm -hmm. but I think most people do sort of consume things at home more often, but, but I do think this year, well, and maybe we can get into a little bit when we get into the list too, but like, I do think this year, particularly some of the, you know, the Barbenheimer and stuff this summer reminded folks how much they like going out yeah. to the theater. Yeah. Um, I, I, you and I, I mean, I, I'm preaching to the choir. I, we, we mourn uh, the, the big, you know, going in a dark room with everybody and, I you just know, watched, and that being uh, the thing. I just watched Maestro and I saw mm -hmm. it on a, uh, on a DVD that the, you know, a critics yeah. copy. And I'm thinking, man, yeah. I really want to see this on a big screen. I really want to see, <laughs> you know, know, I just, did, I just did the same thing. And I do, do think it would have been better on the big screen. You know, I, I, I thought for sure it would make my, my top 10 list going in. I, I thought it uh -huh. would be, mm -hmm. but, uh, and I, I think I've heard you say you really liked it and that's cool. Um, I, for some reason, I don't, I, I thought it opened so, so strong, like, um, Bradley Cooper, uh, oh. you know, with the black and white opening and he's running out to, uh, the, oh. on the waterfront theme plays and the cameras right. tracking through and almost reminded me of like, um, I don't know, young Orson Welles directing meet meets like a bird man or something. I was like, all right, let's do this. But then, uh, as it went on, I, um, uh, I, I kind of wish that they, I guess I wanted to see his inspiration or the creation of On the Waterfront or or of West Side Story. You kind of get they kind of reference it in some of the dialogue and um, you hear the music off screen, uh, like on the soundtrack while other things are happening in his personal life. But it really was more of a, a, a romance. And if that's what he set out to do, you know, he accomplished it. I don't. And Bradley Cooper goes for broke as Leonard Bernstein, Bernstein. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. and Carrie Mulligan. I don't know. I think she's a great, great actress, one of the best we got. But I don't. Uh, I believe his real wife was like half Jewish, half Latina, and I think Carrie Mulligan is more just you know British, waspy. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if if that was the best casting. But um, I don't know. I, to me, it might it might be more of like an honorable mention, even though I, I'm sure it would be near the top of yours based on what I've what I've heard you say. But, exactly, uh, because sure, as you know, I'm a I'm a classical music. Uh, appreciator yeah. buff. I wouldn't say that I'm a buff like you're a movie buff, but I'm 
you know, I know a lot of the music and I know a lot of what Bernstein did. And I wasn't even a fan of Bernstein's, but I just, I loved the black and white and the way he would race from one uh, scene to another and the seamlessness of the editing and and the music and and the fact that uh, we see him through his wife's eyes and she was extremely frustrated and pissed off at him (laughs) and it wasn't a greatest hits but so very quickly give me four or five things you loved on streaming first and then let's get into your top 10 list which i'm not holding you to but i'd like to compare (laughs) mine to yours yeah no worries yeah in terms of streaming um uh, TV shows, um, there were shows that, that, you know, there were several like finales of existing shows that I, yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed. I thought Succession on HBO really nailed the right. final season after after me sort of sort of losing interest like the previous season. They, I thought they came back and really finished strong with some of the best episodes, not only of the show, but probably in TV history yeah, all in that final season. Yeah, and, and same same with Barry. I mean, the last season kind of mm. changed locations and tone yeah. and got really dark and everything, but I, I thought brilliant. it and it went out on a good note. And Ted Lasso, a lot of people didn't, uh, some people didn't, critics didn't like the last season as much, but I thought, I don't know, the last half of the last season was really enjoyable and they tied it up, you know, in a nice, neat bow. And I I know, I, I still enjoyed that. Um, in terms of like new shows, though, um, uh, that, that just started, um, mm-hmm. I really liked um, Mike Flanagan's Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. It's like mm-hmm. a, a horror version of Succession <laughs> based on yeah. Edgar Allan Poe stuff. <laughs> there were a couple things on – there was actually a lot of stuff on Apple that I really liked. I really liked that Idris Elba uh, hijack show. That was riveting. I wanted to just keep watching. I really liked the Apple sci-fi show uh, Silo um, about the big uh, underground silo. I thought that was really, really good. Um, Lessons in Chemistry, I really, really oh. liked. Everybody loves that. Brie Larson. Yeah, Shrinking? That was great. Did you like Shrinking? Shrinking? Of course. Yeah, 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 fact, of course. See, I, I picked Shrinking over the last season of Ted Lasso, and they're kind of the same yeah. show, but really brilliant. So, but oh, yeah. I, that's I an insert. Shrinking. With Harris, Harrison Ford was like, a, his comedic timing was sort of a revelation in that. And it was just really good. And, oh, and of course, the, the Last of Us, you know, the, the zombie thing on yeah. HBO. Yeah. and. That was great as far as a new show. But yeah, I'd say that's that's sort of my there's beef on Netflix. There there's a bunch of, of new ones that, that were fun, but uh yeah, I would I, say probably lessons in chemistry, last of us shrinking near the top. The bear season two, like the bear and uh reservation dogs. Did you get into that at all? So I really liked uh season one of the bear, and I was really mm-hmm. enjoying the first half of season two of the bear. Um, but I didn't get around to finishing it. That one uh, Thanksgiving oh. was it a Thanksgiving episode or a yeah, birthday? I can't yeah. remember. They, well, Too with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was awesome. Well, it was Too great, but it was just like very stressful. And close. my wife and I just like uh, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll return we'll return we'll return to it eventually. Um, but what's the other one you said? Oh, Reservation Dogs. I yes. really I watched season one of that and really really liked that too. Just never got around. I, I'm still season. a little behind on. Let's get into the movies because you are the movie buff. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in your take on, well, actually, I'm interested uh, in the position of Oppenheimer versus uh, Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon. Well, they're, so, they're both on the list, and you'll have to see where they rank. I'm just laughing every time you say, call me a movie buff. I think of Seinfeld when he goes, well, Biff wants to be a buff. <laughs> so, 
but yeah, both of those are are on my list. And again, uh, I'm gonna probably as we're recording this, there's still several I haven't seen that I'm gonna try to see before I do my WTOP list. Uh, I guess next week or whatever. I still need to see the color purple, which comes out I think Christmas Day afternoon. I need me a wife. Even if we have to part, you and me, us, us have one heart. You must ain't got no kinfolk around these parts. All I had was my sister. <laughs> she was the only one ever loved me. And I still really want to see Ava DuVernay's um, Origin, which I think doesn't even come out. It might be come out in limited in December, but I don't think most people listening to this can see it till like January. So I don't even know if it's fair to include on a list like this. So I tried to look back at the the whole year. Um, so number 10. Um, again, this is maybe just like kind of a placeholder. Um, I know a lot. You can, it's okay. I know a lot of, I know a lot of, I know a lot of lists will put anatomy of a fall, but I'm not. It's the palm door winner, you know, the courtroom thing. And there's a lot I liked about it, but instead I'm going to, when, if I'm recommending a courtroom movie to mainstream listeners of this, I'm going to go with the burial by Maggie Bett. Um, very I don't nice. know why. Very nice. I really, I really, and again, this one might be one that gets bumped off when I find, <laughs> do my list. But uh, Jamie Foxx uh, as the cocky lawyer versus Tommy Lee Jones. Very nice. Uh, I really, I don't know. It was something refreshing about seeing those. And two you Oscar can see that. I think it's on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah, exactly. Which goes it's, sort it's of to your completely accessible. Absolutely, and it's I don't Anatomy I, I, of a Fall. I hated that. Everybody's saying, oh, it's an Oscar win. I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> I, I thought it like opened really strong, but the payoff. It. Yeah, the, well, I like the oh. opening with, you know, the 50 Cent uh, music pairing. Uh, but, like, you know, yeah, I don't think yeah. the payoff, the time you invest in it, I don't know if it pays off. No, but, no. yeah, Give I mean, me. I, the, and the burial, I don't expect it to, to get any Oscar nominations. No. But if I'm sitting there like, hey, everyone listen to this. If you want to sit down and enjoy a movie, like, I, I'm pretty sure that's a, a, a bet that everyone will like it. Um, number nine, I have The Holdovers by Alexander Payne. Absolutely. Um, he has and such a knack. Alexander Payne ever made, incidentally. <laughs> the Descendants, Nebraska sideways you find his name on any movie and watch it and you're going to be satisfied yeah he has such a knack for those offbeat comedies and all the, all the ones you named and i, I the, the descendants is probably my favorite of, of all of those um but yeah paul giamatti is just you know back in true form here um it has sort of like a dead poet society vibe uh, a, a little bit um, but the performances across the board were great, and Divine Joy Randolph um, uh, is is getting some Oscar and I'm yeah, I, and I wouldn't be surprised if she wins an Oscar. She, she just might. In, I mean, she was. A, did you see Dolomite? <laughs> oh yeah, of that? course, the Eddie Murphy. Yeah, that that was her. That was she was in that. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I forgot that. Um, but yeah, I can't and here she. <laughs> I knew something. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, when she say it, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, of course." But uh, in here, she's she's just so good, and I just thought the um, there were a couple moments that really made me laugh out loud. There were a couple moments that were like really bittersweet. In the final fifteen minutes, where they wrap up all the different character arcs, and yeah. I, I think if you, if you start characters in one place and try to bring them to another, I just thought it was I thought it was well done. Uh, number eight is one that's probably not going to be an, on a lot of lists, but uh, I I want to rep some horror movies, so I decided to go ahead and throw it on. Um. It's talk to it's talk to me. Talk it was an Australian yeah. horror movie, um, and so was Jennifer Kent's The Babadook a couple years ago. Horror movies, 
Um, so they put out some good ones from time to time, but there were these, this time it's directed by these two twin brothers and it's a group of young teenagers who find this embalmed hand and play with it sort of <laughs> casually, like yeah. it's some game of spin the bottle or a Ouija board or something, but you they're really a little too hand it about. to them. <laughs> they hand it to them. When they, when they actually hold this thing and say, talk to me, some really scary, creepy stuff happens that I don't want to spoil. What did the hand feel like? It felt amazing. I could see and feel everything on the side. So my mom, she was trying to reach out. Yeah. It was really cool. I thought it was one of the better horror movies I've seen in recent years. So I was like, you know what? They never get enough love on these end of the year lists, so I put it on. All right, number okay. seven, I have Nyad. Nyad. Absolutely. Uh, Loved that. Loved it. What's it on? Net is it Netflix? I think. Uh, um, I, yeah, I think so. I think it is Netflix, yeah. Obviously, the story of Diana Nyad, who did that historic swim from Havana, Cuba, to the uh, Key West, I think, in Florida. Um I One of the things I loved was... is the way they set Nyad up with clips of the real Diana Nyad and the way they uh, inform you of her career, which was 50 years ago. And then they go into Annette Benning as Nyad. And I thought that was really well done. Oh, yeah. And I thought, and I thought she was so good. I thought, and, and, and not necessarily, I don't want to say, she did a go. She did, but Nat Benning does a great job of transforming someone that, like, on the surface could have been unlikable, but making us ri riveted. You know, she's so, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. hell bent and sort of selfish, uh, that she's yeah, not really appreciating yeah. Jodie Foster's uh, assistant. Uh, but by the end, you know, her final lines when she emerges onto the, the beach is, you know, it was a team effort. So you do see her journey. And I think Benning and Foster deserve Oscar, you know, nomination consideration. And and we should say, I think it's directed by the the duo Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai. I don't remember how you say it. Vassar Helvey, who they made that Oscar winning documentary Free Solo, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I thought they just did a good job of taking something. It could have been pun not intended, uh, dry. <laughs> shots of just swimming every you know but they add the obstacles of this jellyfish and just the sharks water. and yeah exactly <laughs> just that water but they make it riveting where you you know you're watching all of the different practice runs and failed attempts and uh i just thought it became almost like rocky or something you're just rooting for it by the end so i love nyad number six i have uh uh air by ben affleck um i'm with you on i that. Okay, I'm glad to hear you say that. I feel like it's it's sort of movie. It came out, I think, in April, like a month after last Oscars. And I feel like a lot of times movies from that time of year, by the end of the year, the critics' best list sort of forget them. But that was probably my favorite movie for the first several months of the year, like that first spring season. And obviously it was the behind-the-scenes story of, of the making of the Air Jordan with, at Nike. Um, and there were a ton of sort of those making of movies there was tetris and the beanie bubble yeah. and the flaming hot cheetos but Blackberry. air was the oh yeah but air was the best of them i think and matt it just sort of reminds you quietly how quietly good matt damon is he's so Absolutely. good in everything and, he and, carries and viola davis as uh michael jordan's mother and it's a two-hander oh, between those two it's uh really strong oh, yeah. uh, trying to convince I, her to, to let her son sign story with the about a guy the who time just dumping. had a gut instinct just an idea and you know he was not going to be knocked off of his idea 
And I love those entrepreneurial stories. That's my kind of movie. Not to mm-hmm. mention, you know, Ben Affleck and Jason Bateman and Marlon Wayans. Like the, it's stacked from, it's just so, it's so watchable and enjoyable. And, and it has that entre- entrepreneurial thing in Viola Davis shines uh, in those like, Meet, meeting in her backyard with Matt Damon, like basically dictating the terms of, of the yeah. deal. Uh, it, it was great. It was great. Number five, I have American Fiction by Cord Jefferson. Love um, that. Yes. I don't even, I think it might even come out next week. I don't think it's out yet, but I wanted to include it. Um, it's kind of like Spike Lee's Bamboozle, but more, mm-hmm. less in your face. It's a little more subdued, a little more melancholic, a little more dramedy if you will bamboozle was like more straight like little touch over of the, top the producers comedy. producers too yeah 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 the um, guy well, writes we a tell- book so full of yeah. cliches as a joke and it becomes a national phenomenon and the joke is about the black experience which is the exact opposite of what this guy feels yeah, yeah, it's it's Jeffrey Wright, and he's um like you're saying, yeah, he he's an author who yeah. you know he's a serious author scholar, but he's qu- con- constantly told he's quote not black enough compared to his rival Issa Rae, the great Issa Rae wrote another book, um and everyone's you know putting it on bestseller list, so Jeffrey Wright goes, you know what, I'm gonna just step stuff every right. cliche in here possible. Um, and what do you know? Suddenly everyone loves it. All the white publishers and critics say, Oh, it's amazing. And he's like, wait a minute, this is a joke. I'm trying, I'm basically satirizing myself. Um, but you get Tracy Ellis Ross, Sterling K Brown. Um, it, it's just a great cast. And, uh, yeah, it's like I when wouldn't... leave it to Beaver's mother on airplane says, Oh, I speak jive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it, it, it really plays. <laughs> and that, that's a tough tightrope to walk, but I think it they is. do it. And it's it's not as laugh out loud as I thought it was going to be going in like a bamboozled or something. But I, I almost admired the restraint and and sort of how it walks that tightrope. And I, I thought American Fiction was is one of the best I saw this Love year. It. I really enjoyed it. All right. Number four. This is where I finally get Killers of the Flower Moon. Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heard I think I've heard you say you liked it, but didn't love it. Um, I really I thought there was a lot to like it. It's it starts out. It's it's against this Western landscape, you know, like an oil man, you know, movie ranch. But um, yeah. it quickly, quickly, or not quickly, <laughs> gradually reveals itself <laughs> as like as a like later. a classic gang, like a gangster movie yeah. with a puppet master yeah. pulling the strings of murder here. And it's based on a true story and a nonfiction book of this oil that's discovered on the land of the Osage Nation in 1920s Oklahoma. And similar to how, um, you know. Uh, white folks of the time couldn't tolerate a black Wall Street in Tulsa and burnt that down. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, uh, come in and uh, and try to take over the oil here by uh, you know marrying off white folks to the the Native Americans and then whacking all the family members to try to take over the the inheritance yeah. money and and the yeah. oil money. Um, so I agree that it, I do agree that it's a a little too long. Um, and I, think I, I liked agree with it you. a lot, but I yeah. did not like where he took us at the end, because to me, the end didn't feel authentic. It felt like uh, somebody's idea of what, and I don't want to give the ending away, but they, they advanced the story uh, another generation, and, um, and I, I, it just didn't work for me. But, You're talking uh, about like the, the, the where are they now kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that, that did feel a little forced. Like, oh, this is a great idea in a room. And then when you watch it, you're like, eh, it'd probably been better just to leave it in the time forward. period. But it, but it is cool seeing, you know, the two people, the two muses of Scorsese's career, De Niro from the first half of his career and, and Leonardo DiCaprio from the second half, uh, together on screen together and Lily Gladstone, I know is getting some, some best actress buzz, but, uh, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was a really, really good movie, but, uh, I, I didn't quite, quite crack my top three, uh, for number three, I have past lives by Celine song. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, our friend Oliver, uh, Jones put us both onto that and he's right about yeah. that. And and I think she's what is it South Korean born in Korea but maybe moved to Canada I think so yeah. you can sort of see sort of see the autobiographical elements in here with that and people don't I, understand I think that it's in English right it's not a you right. know it's about Koreans but it's it's set in New York and uh, done in English. Yeah, mostly. There, I guess there's a, a couple scenes with subtitles in South Korea. Before, yeah, but but mo yeah, most of it's in English. So I, I encourage everyone to go watch it. It um arguably it, it's these two chat. We should say it's these two childhood best friends that are you know so the best friends as kids, but they get split up at a really young age, and then they reconnect years later. He comes to visit her in New York, but she's yeah. you know already immigrated here years ago, and she's married. And I won't spoil anything, but. I will say I admired that it didn't sort of take any cheap ways out or go for no, the low hanging fruit no. or scandalous. It was realistic and just kind of um, a little bit like David Lean's brief encounter or a little bit like the link later mm -hmm. movies of mm -hmm. where that, you know, the before sunrise when they're walking and talking, but the one of the best directed movies of the year, like Celine's song, those yeah. that one composition is burned in my brain when they're kids, when he's about, or she's about to, you know, immigrate away. And, uh, the boy walks off down the street to the left and the little girl goes up the staircase to the right and you just visually mm -hmm. see their paths uh, diverging. Yeah. I thought it was great. Uh, it's one of the best of the year for sure. Number two, uh, some people might have this uh, a little lower on their list, but I, but but damn it, I'm putting it at number two. I'm putting Barbie, <laughs> Greta Gerwig. <laughs> Are you? Um, well, I mean, I, it found I, an audience and in fact, it brought people back to the theater. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I sort of, it bugs me sort of when critics do their top 10 list at the end of the year and they only include sort of the end of the year Oscar babe and they sort of forget the summer blockbusters. But man, how quickly we forget Barbenheimer saved the industry over the summer mm -hmm. and Barbie itself was the top grossing movie of the year. Um, and I just have such good memories of going with my wife to see it at Benji's drive-in. And it, it was like an event, a going out sort of date movie. And Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are just perfectly cast. I'm Knuff and uh, I'm just Ken. Anywhere else I'd be a 10. Like, like I, it stuck with me longer than a lot. And oh, and America Ferreira doing that speech of women have to be oh, so yeah. many contradictory yeah. things. Um, but mostly hats off to Greta Gerwig for being so creative, co-written with Noah Baumbach. There were so many landmines of the Mattel doll of this property that, you know, of Barbie itself that could have sank this movie in a zillion different ways. And we could have all been talking about, about it as like one of the biggest misfire flops ever, but it wasn't, it was just so creatively done uh, between the two worlds and what that said about our society back and forth that I almost just, I have to have it towards the top of my list as almost something of like a little mini miracle that she was able to pull right. that off and turn it into what it became. So Barbie it too. To complete, and you could alternate in my guess, but it's, I have the other half of Barbenheimer. I have Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan as my number one movie of the year. What, what about you? 
I, you know, I just so admired Oppenheimer. I just thought that thing worked on so many levels. And although it was long, I didn't feel the length. And I went to see it twice in theaters and did not get up to go to the bathroom <laughs> for <laughs> three hours, which for me is quite a a record. <laughs> And you had your I, own Los Alamos after the three hours was over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but at, I will say, at, yeah, like to your point, like while I felt the length of Killers of the Flower Moon, I did mm -hmm. not feel it at all in Oppenheimer. The three hours oh. flew by. And I think this is the one that finally wins Christopher Nolan his Oscar. Like the yeah. way he it sort of it, it is a, it elevates beyond like a standard biopic. And it is a great biopic in that regard, too. Yeah. But um, the way he flashes the images of the molecular level and uh, the sound design, like cutting, like even during that, uh, the atomic bomb test at Los Alamos, like the way they, he cuts the sound out and you're just hearing the breathing and you see the flash of the mushroom cloud. And then suddenly this, you almost jump like a jump scare when the sound of the shockwaves rushes back yeah, in yeah, or the scene yeah. later when he's famous and Oppenheimer's giving the speech to the cheering crowd. And all of a sudden you get this like, visions of like skin melting off and him stepping on an ashy body. And uh, it was, I just and, think it's some of the most daring filmmaking of the year. And ironically, I, I think a little more involving than some of like Christopher Nolan's past movies. I like you always admired the puzzle clockwork of a Dunkirk or interstellar, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I love memento and, and of, and of course there's inception, the dark Knight. we could go forever. But um, this, I think just is like, the perfect like um, emotional engrossing movie. In addition, I guess you could say the intercutting the black and white with the framing device with Robert Downey Jr. I guess doesn't work as well as the Los Alamos stuff, but it, to me, it still worked. It was hard to pull off, but I think it still worked to show the cold war aspect of it. And, you know, it wasn't just a world war two. We're trying to win the war. It also shows the ramifications and now, okay, it's now we're just... living in a nuclear age. And I think you can watch it over and over again, and you can watch it again in 10 years. And and in yeah. this streaming age, I was able to um, get myself ready for the film by watching several wonderful docs on uh, the real Oppenheimer. And so, yeah. you know, it was like a great fusion. Speaking of so fusion, maybe? we are on Hound Radio, and we are enabled by our dear friend, Lou Katz in Katz Podcast Headquarters. And uh, Lou, uh, what is in store for us? Well, Arch and Jason, we're here to spread some holiday cheer. Tis the season to send out holiday greetings from the staff at Hound Radio. Hi, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell. Hope you have the happiest of holidays this season. Thanks for listening to Hound Radio and to the Arch Campbell podcast. This is Faith Lapidus, host of Hound Radio's World of Dogs, wishing you and your four-legged friends a happy holiday and a wonderful new year holiday greetings from lisa sinrod and all the kitties from cat corner we hope you have a wonderful and festive season hey there it's me jp from hound radio sunday night stiffs want to wish you the merriest of christmases a happy new year and also a happy hanukkah and i'm lou katz thanks so much for listening your support means everything make it a great holiday and even a greater new year and keep your ears aimed right here at hound radio the sand is starting to run out of the 
out of the time clock here. Uh, Jason, I want to ask you about your career. How did you get into, well, actually, what drew you to the movies in the first place? Oh, I've loved them since I was a kid. You know, I, I always, you know, watch uh, when I was when I was six years old, we went to see Home Alone and my twin brother and I went home and we made our own version called Boy by Himself. <laughs> which was basically me just me just robbing him and my grandfather had a big camcorder on his shoulder and my uh. grandma acted in it and it was just so i've been like into movies my whole life um but i actually started as a sports reporter at the frederick news post and even in college at university of maryland i covered sports at the diamondback and wmuc radio but while i was there i took film theory classes with this guy joseph miller and that's when i really fell in love with mm you know, finding symbolic layers and, you know, he, you know, watching the searchers and vertigo and citizen King. I mean, he did whole classes on Hitchcock. You saw the whole filmography, Woody Allen's whole filmography, uh, film noir. Like it was, I, I, it just showed me a new way to look at movies. And then I was also interning at the Baltimore sun and I met their critic, Michael Srago and USA today's life section. I interned there. So I started sort of shifting, uh, but I would say most of it was like, most of it, I would say, was like self-taught in a way. Like I took what we sort of learned in those film theory classes and I went home and I'm like, all right, what makes the great movies great? I'm going to pr print off every best list, the AFI, all of them. Yeah, uh, and you've got sound, this savant uh, uh, <laughs> thing going on where you can name any winner for any year from the Oscars. Uh, what won the Oscar in 1936? Yeah. Um, that was the great Ziegfeld. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, uh, but it was, <laughs> I think it's like, I, that doesn't come from something I was born with or whatever. I really is those putting in your quote, 10,000 hours of when I was printing off those best lists and I made my own website, the film spectrum, and I was writing all these reviews. And because of that, everyone, at, and of course I was getting my master's in film at, at, at American university, but at the time I started at WTOP, but because of that quote savant thing, uh, Everyone at T.O.P., I was a news writer behind the scenes and everyone would say, hey, 1978, Jay Frey. And I'd be like, the deer hunter. And I'd go back to writing. So it just so happened that a Washington Post reporter was covering the newsroom that day and like featured me in the story. And so our news director, Jim Farley, comes in and slams the newspaper down and goes, who's this writer with this film savant thing? <laughs> <laughs> kind of took off from there and our old movie critic joe barber passed yeah, away like yeah. a month later there um and so i just went in and sort of made my pitch and the very first movie i reviewed uh was the artist uh i was like i'm gonna do a silent movie for the radio <laughs> um perfect but it went on to win best picture so i guess they, and, and i, I gotta kinda... say you and i met and became friends because i was somewhere at some award ceremony and you came over and said hello. And I just want to say to anybody listening, say hello to people, because uh, you never know the kind of friendships you will form. And Jason, I just consider you one of the people I'm uh, most happy to uh, know and uh, be friends with. Oh, the feeling's mutual. And I appreciate, I can't remember what, what it was at the National Press Club when I introduced, but I don't remember what the ceremony was. I, I but was uh, you, you, you had me on your show at Channel 7, uh, you know, the Arch Campbell show yeah. and Angus, Angus, Angus Lamont's letters. Angus and Lamont. So, just so many good, so many good movies <laughs> or memories over the year. And then, you know, of course, the old ch chatter, you know, podcast we used to do. Right. Uh, and now this with you and Lou. I love you, Lou. Like, it's been so much fun. And uh, I, I just love coming on every time. 
Well, uh, we're wrapping up here. And Jason, I just want to wish you happy holidays. And- Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. I do want to give a, uh, a moment to Norman Lear and just say how we're all uh, grieving him because television will never be the same. But we've got Jason Fraley on WTOP, and thank goodness for that. Thanks so much, Jason. <laughs> Happy holidays. Thanks. Happy holidays to you. And Norman Lear finally went into that deluxe apartment in the sky. <laughs> this is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast. <laughs>